This is the Perfectly Mentored Podcast with your host, Jason Portnoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Perfectly Mentored. I'm your host, Jason Portnoy, and we are back with the Ask Jason Live show, where I fielded questions from people live. You're not going to want to miss this one. Check it out. Hey everyone, welcome to the Ask Jason show, where we go live every week answering your questions around business and marketing or anything else you want to ask Jason. So if you have any questions, just comment below. For those of you who don't know Jason, he is the founder of Jport Media, an online ad agency which helps scale our clients to seven figures and beyond. He also created the market domination method and teaches it in his private coaching program called the Market Domination Coaching, which if you're interested in joining, head over to marketdominationcoaching.com and book a free game plan call. All right, Jason, are you ready? Let's do it. We have got, I saw some of the questions. Let's, let's dive in. I, it looks like it's going to be a fun one. Okay. All righty. Let's see here. Okay. Our first question is from Kyle. Kyle asks, or Kyle says, I have a restaurant. What's the best way for me to use online ads to get people to come in and fill up the restaurant? So, First is great on Kyle because not many restaurants are really utilizing online ads the right way. They're just doing it from brand awareness and just getting out there, which is great. A lot of them are on Google. So Google ads. So you're around from a local standpoint, people searching for if you have a pizza shop, people searching pizza shop in that area that you rank and that you're up there. So I'd look into Google ads, but the strategy, uh, the strategy that I would use is I would run Facebook ads, probably targeting everyone within a three to five mile radius offering probably let's say either a free drink or a free dessert. That's your call. And you'd run what's called lead ads, in which case you would get their email, you'd get their phone number, which is super important for retention, super important for making sure that you could connect with them without running ads in the future, following up with them, asking how their meal was just doing the things that usually aren't scalable. And then what you do is after they give you all that information, you send them a coupon for the free dessert. Now when they come in, uh, they show you the coupon, they get a free dessert, but that free dessert costs you nothing compared to them actually sitting down and buying a meal and getting that free dessert anyways. That's one of the smartest ways I would do it is give something for free, a loss leader, we call it almost to get people to come in and buy. So a free drink, usually people come in, they'll order another drink, right? They're not just coming and cashing the free. You're going to have some people who are going to sit down and just want the free dessert. No problem. Cool. But they came into your restaurant. That's the first step. And usually they'll order something else and you play those odds. The same thing you could do with birthdays, by the way, you can run an ad to everyone who has a birthday uh, in August and or whatever month you're listening to this in coming up, you can run an ad to everyone who has a birthday in that month and say, hey, free slice of cake for your birthday. Come on in. Now, usually that's even better because they're not coming in alone to get a free slice of cake. They're not sitting down for a meal alone. Usually they'll bring multiple people and they'll bring all their friends, they'll bring what, family members. And in which case, now you have a giant meal that just costs you really a small amount to run those ads and the small amount for the free dessert. That's pretty much how I would run paid media if I was a restaurant. Perfect. Okay. Um, all right. Next is from Helen. 
What's the most important thing you look for when taking on a client in your agency or coaching program? Two, di two different things, two different areas. I think on the agency side, one is do they have a proven offer? Uh, do they have something that has sold before? It's very hard. And we've done this in the past where we've taken on clients who necessarily didn't have proof of concept proof of sales. And now you're really tasked with building their entire business for them. So one is you're going to get into a lot of trouble because when you're putting out the offer and they're not, it's not converting, it's always going to be you. It's your fault. You're the agency. You didn't get me any clients, but you don't have an offer that wins. It's almost the way it was first brought to me when I first started this game was imagine you're a bus driver and your job is saying, and you come to me and sit there and say, Hey, I have this bus. I'd love for you to fill it, what, fill it up with as many passengers as possible. I sit there and say, great. Okay. I'll send you all the people to ride that bus question for you. How big is the bus? And they're like, I don't have the bus yet, but <laughs> can you build the bus for me? Can you buy me the bus? That's the same thing as you sitting there saying, I have no sales, but Hey, can you just run paid media for us and get us sales and build us this business? It's not how it works. And usually paid media really becomes the accelerant, not the spark in a fire. It's usually the gasoline on the fire. So one is from the agency side of point side of things. Do they understand the landscape they're in? Do they have a proven offer, which all joking aside is, is probably the biggest reason for ads failing or losing comes down to the offer. So do they have a proven, do they have a proven offer? Um, do they have a business that could scale? And one is, do they understand the landscape they're in from the coaching side? The question is, are they wearing what's called the fail, the winner's uniform? And the winner's uniform is really addressed by what the failure uniform is. Most people have like most people have a million excuses of why things won't work. They look for outs. They look for a bunch of different things. They're not coachable. Uh, so one is to come into the coaching program. If you're wearing a failure's uniform, you're not the right fit. If you're always looking for uh, an, an excuse, it's not the right fit. And are you coachable? But really, that that failure uniform is, is huge that most people don't understand because. Most people have thousands of reasons why they haven't made it or why their business hasn't succeeded, but none of those reasons are themselves. And that's a very telling sign. Okay. Okay. Uh, next up from Brent, what are the most important parts of a landing page? The most important parts of a landing page, the headline and hook right off the bat, that's super important. Do you have a solid headline? Right. Uh, that's number one thing. When people land on your landing page, are they staying, right? And that's usually the headline, the hook, the angle that you're going on. It has to have call to actions, whether that's book a call, email us, whatever it is, book an appointment, and probably testimonials. So I'd probably say those probably are the three most important things, testimonials uh, from past clients or from current clients people who've gone through whatever it is you're selling. If you, this is e-commerce, then reviews are super important to have. We've seen conversion rates bump up in e-commerce tremendously just by adding reviews to the site. You'd be surprised how many e-commerce stores don't have reviews on their site. And then from an info product space, probably I'd add like a VSL, like a video sales letter. So some sort of like big headline, the hook, then probably a video of you or talking about the brand, talking about what the offer is, then some sort of big testimonial underneath. And then I'd go into all the reasons why they should do it. And then filled with even more testimonials and call to actions filled up along the way. Yeah. Testimonials, I think are super important. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how many people don't, don't. utilize them the right way. 
and and especially in e-commerce, the amount of stores I've seen that just have bad conversion rate, but then don't put any reviews on there. And then they also do the next big mistake is they cancel out all the bad reviews. They only have five-star reviews on their site. Like bad reviews actually help you, believe it or not. Not everyone's saying good things about you. And if the things are, and if you're addressing them so people could actually see, that actually helps you. When people have a bad review, but then you're in there jumping in, it's like you ever go on a, on a trip advisor and you're looking for a trip mm-hmm. or a place and there's always, oh, this, the room was a mess. And then you always have the manager chime in. You're much, right. more, you're much more willing to jump in there because, or give that place a shot, even though it has some bad reviews, but they care about it mm-hmm. and they're in there versus one bad review and no one's responding to it. No one's addressing it. That just lingers and that just smells of, I don't even want to do business with you. But if you have, but if you have negative reviews that people are handling, plus if your negative reviews are like, Hey, I ordered this yesterday and it took four days to ship. That's not a real negative review. Go on True. Amazon and you'll see some of the one-star reviews are awful. Yeah. They're, they're just so stupid. Trivial. <laughs> exactly. So you'll buy from them anyways. And it actually makes you look more authentic to have a couple of bad reviews on there versus just five-star reviews, glorious reviews all around the board. Okay. This next question's a good one. It's from Vero. Best tool for spying on competitors ads. Uh, yeah, there's a lot out there. Some cost money, some are free. So let's say on a Facebook side, you have Facebook ads library. So if you just Google Facebook ads library, you could go in and you can see the ads run by anyone running ads. So mm-hmm. as long as they're running ads, you can see what ads they're running. And then there's like AdBeat. There's a bunch of different spy tools out there. But here's the important part of that is that you could see the ads that they're running, but you have zero context into what their strategy was. So a lot of times we'll deal with clients who will sit there and say, hey, I see that our competitors are running these ads. We're now going to go make ads like those. But you have no idea whether those ads are converting or not. You have no idea whether that's a test run for them and they're just testing something. You have no idea. It's Copying your competitors is just a bad way to do it. There's the famous story, right, of just the guy across the street who kept seeing so many people come into that guy's store. So instead, he, he switched a sign to look like the guy, the guy put something on the front door. He put something on the front door. Just spent all the time watching what his competitor was doing versus actually going and getting people to come into a store. So it's a, bad, it's a bad strategy. Are you testing your own stuff is the most important thing. It's great to get inspiration. It's great to go look at things. But you want to be a leader in your market and not second place in your market. And as long as you're always watching what your competitors are doing and trying to mimic that exact thing, you're always going to be a competitor. And again, online advertising is such a dangerous place to go try to copy someone else that's working. I actually did a post about this on Facebook a while ago that you could try to copy what I'm doing, but you have no context into what I'm if what I'm doing is working. You have no context if I'm even making money. I could post whatever I want on social media. And so can everyone else. So when your competitors are posting stuff and running ads for things, you have no idea. But one of the ways around that, I would add, because if someone wants a little like hack to it, is you could see just by how long the ad's been running. And chances are, if it's a well-known brand or if it's a big brand or th- that they do well, if the ad's been running for a long time, chances are it's doing well. So I would look at it from that angle. But just be very careful watching what your competitors are doing and trying to mimic your entire marketing strategy around what your competitors are doing. It's a recipe for second place. Okay. Okay. From Mike asks, I don't have enough money to spend on online ads, but want to grow my business. What should I do? 
I feel like we've talked about this and I think I have, we have to do a better job filtering this out. Cause I mean, it's joint ventures, cold calls, cold emails, knock on doors, direct mails. I mean, there's paid ads work. So if you're going to spend the money to test it and learn, and you don't have a proven offer, it's going to cost you time and it's going to cost you money to learn it. Now, if you don't want to spend the money, then you got to put in time. And that means you got to go knock on every single door in your neighborhood uh, every single door in your neighborhood and just see what's going on and ask them, are they doing business? What's going on? Do they want, do they want to hire you? Are you, do you, who else do you know? Have you reached out to people? Have you tried to do joint ventures? Have you sent out a thousand cold emails? Have you th- sent out a thousand direct mails? Um, have you picked up the phone and called your ideal, your dream 100 and tried to get in front of them? The answer is overwhelmingly no, because most people don't want to do the work. They want the business, they want the results, but they don't want to do the work. And then they also don't want to spend the money, which is going back to what I call the failure uniform, which is they're all full of excuses, but none of them are really about themselves and really putting in the work. You don't want to spend money. You have to spend the time. You don't want to spend the time. You have to spend the money. I talk about this at nauseum, but it's really one or the other. Spend your time going after and getting people. You don't want to do that. Spend your money. I like spending my money. I don't like spending my time. My time is way more valuable. I'd much rather be spending my time with my family, with my kids. I'd much rather do whatever it is I want. That's why I built a business. So I'd rather spend money and fail fast in order in order to know what to do in order to succeed. But that's me. Yeah, everyone's different. But it sounds like there's one of two options. Time or money. The only two currencies yeah. in life. Okay. All right. If you had no money and had to start from scratch, how would you get your first client? This is from Kathy. Yeah. Fitting that it's right right after this one. Yeah. All right. Let's make a note. No more of these questions. Every now and then we'll bring one of these questions in just to remind people. But yeah, if I had to start from scratch, my age is from scratch, and I had no money to run ads, I would utilize my power base. I would reach out to every single family member and friend I have and tell them exactly what I'm up to. This is what I do. And who do they know or who can they introduce me to that could be a good fit that could help me out. Then I'd go a step further. I then go to my acquaintances and then I'd start going towards businesses that I know, but don't really know and reach out and let them know by email what I started and what I'm doing. And then I would start building and then I would message every single person I know on Facebook and spend hours a day messaging everyone on Facebook saying, hey, I'm a big fan of what you've been up to. Here's what I'm up to. Anyone that would be a good fit. I'd message business owners. I'd message my Dream 100. I would do joint venture, that cold call, I'd cold email, and I would send out. Look, we have we have referrals coming in for our agency, right? Like we, we don't really run ads to get people coming into the agency, but I still send out cold emails and I still send out direct mail because that's how you grow business. So I, th- I think people are, may have this philosophy of it's beneath me, but when you're starting a business, nothing's beneath you. And if you put it in the grander scheme of things, like you're starting a business to provide for your family, nothing should be beneath you. I would work six jobs if I had to, in order to provide for my family. I'd go work the most random jobs if I needed to put money on the table, because it's not beneath me, because that's my priority in life is to provide and be there for my family. I did that in, on, on the business side. So I started a business, but I started with knocking on doors. I started with making a, a bunch of mistakes. So if I had to start from scratch, 
So really what I would do, email every single person in my contact in, in, in my contacts and say, here's what I'm up to and how can you help and not be afraid to ask for help. Okay. Okay. Next up from Brie. Uh, okay. What's your favorite TV show of all time? Huh. Surprising question. Yeah. But I actually hate these type of questions because the other day I was on a podcast or the other week was on a podcast and I I was asked if you could do dinner with one person dead or alive, who would it be? And uh, man, I froze. I froze. And you know me, Megan, I could talk about anything for an hour and turn one thing and talk about anything. It's Mm -hmm. this, it's these type of questions that I never know the answer to because what happens is I'll say an answer and then I will go do whatever I'm doing throughout the day. And this question will linger on my mind for the rest of the day and be like, Matt, should have said that. Why didn't I say this? Or I actually had someone listen to the podcast the other day that I was on and be like, why wouldn't you say this person? I'm like, I know out of all the people, I'm going to probably regret whatever I say here and not regret, but I probably like to have a way better answer in two hours from now. But I think Seinfeld is the greatest comedy of all time. I think that's huge. Breaking Bad is just mm. an amazing show. Sons of Anarchy was an amazing show. It was my top show to watch. Man, I, wow. Yeah, we're going to go with this. I'm going to end it here because no matter what I answer, I'm going to hate my answer in, 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 in two hours from now. <laughs> right. You lost me after Seinfeld. Seinfeld was good. And then after that, it was... <laughs> you never saw Breaking Bad? I, I know it's a big hit. So I've heard, but isn't it just about like drugs? <laughs> Man, that's like saying The Walking Dead is just about zombies. <laughs> oh, and we add Walking Dead to the list too. It's like that, saying The Walking yeah. Dead is just about zombies. Man, no, you have a mission and that's to watch Breaking Bad. Have you ever watched Sons of Anarchy? I, I, it looks silly to me. I <laughs> Sons of Anarchy looks silly. Oh man, now you got to watch the Motorcycle of- Gang. Oh, classic. <laughs> These are amazing shows, Megan. You know what? We're going to have to put this on all like interview questions when we hire here. Uh, if, if I would have known this, chances are I probably wouldn't have hired you. Breaking Bad, just a drug <laughs> show and whatnot. I'll just go to the next question. You're disappointing me here. All wow. right. All right. Seinfeld's great, though. Yeah, good. One, one for three. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. From Jenna. Okay. I have a client that just keeps hitting the same points and is unhappy and keeps telling us to do better, even though we can prove results are there. Help. (laughs) Very familiar with these type of situations. So a lot of times you have to differentiate between a client who's just being difficult for the sake of being difficult because they're paying you a lot of money and they just want to have a conversation with you and they want to say things and they also don't understand versus a client that just is rude, obnoxious and whatever and, and may need to be fired. Assuming they just don't understand, they're just asking the same, like for lack of better words, stupid question. I know there's no such thing as stupid questions, but there probably are such thing as stupid questions. But if they don't understand the landscape and you've hit this point and they're like, hey, look, I don't feel Facebook ads are performing well. And even though that they're performing well, and even though it's there, at some point, you probably would just have to look at, like, and you get on the call and you're like, why do you think that way? But that's a very defensive. You don't want to get defensive and be like, here, look, here's everything that's going on. You can do that the first few times where it's prepare a loom video, shoot a loom video, going over everything's going over the account and be like, okay, I just want some context into what's not performing well. Cause I can see here and here. And 
the first thing you should always do is agree with the client anyways, sit there and say, okay, I understand where you might be coming from because we saw a dip in this, but let's go over this a little bit and shoot a loom video explaining everything. The 18th time that they ask you this, it's, you, you don't want to get defensive and no matter what you tell them is just going to, is just going to cause a fight. One of the best ways to diffuse anything when someone says, ask you stupid questions is just like simply looking at them and saying, what answer is going to satisfy you? And they probably will say they don't know because they don't know. In which case you'll respond saying, if you don't know, and the answers that are provided for you aren't enough and you don't know, then, you know, how am I supposed to know? Right. If I provided you answers, but you don't know the answer that's going to satisfy you and my answer, how am I supposed to know what answer is going to satisfy you if you don't know? Or they'll probably tell you something a bit more specific. Like I would really like for you to explain to me and show me the ad account that why the performance has dropped off. In which case, now you, they provided you something you could work with, something we can manage. It's a little bit more specific answer than a feeling or a thought. And you could work with that, right? You could just address, address those specific issues. The point is vague statements are really hard to justify when you turn around and ask them back for specifics. So vague statement of like Facebook ads aren't working for they're not working this week, right? That's a vague, that's a vague statement. And when you ask them for specifics, most of the time they don't, they can't justify their action, in which case you'll get a real answer and it's a non-defensive way. So that's probably how I would diffuse the situation. At some point, it looks like you're getting a little bit aggravated, which I've been there, but at some point you just have to be like, Hey, okay. I, in the past, I've shown you answers. What answer do you think is, what answer would satisfy you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Okay. All right. We have a question from TJ. What's the hardest sales objection to handle? The one you don't know about. <laughs> That's the truth. Every objection is easy to handle. If you know your business and you understand sales and you've gone through and you've created what's called an objection audit and you've gone through all that, there shouldn't be any objection that normally surprises you. The ones that surprise you are the ones that you didn't know about. And that means you weren't prepared. That's why they become hard. If you're prepared and you understand and you go into it and understand how to handle every situation, you role play your sales calls and you do a bunch of different things and you follow your script or whatever it is, sales shouldn't be complicated. The hardest objection is the one that you didn't anticipate or the one you weren't looking for. Okay. All right. Let's see if we have any more. No, it looks like that's it. Cool. It for now. Cool. Yeah. All righty. Thanks for doing this. And we will be back next week. In the meantime, if you have any questions that you want to submit, just comment below and we'll get to you next week or tune in next week when we go live or head on over to jportnor.com and learn some more information on how we could potentially work together. Uh, but that's it. Thanks, Megan. Now go watch a couple of TV shows after work. I was going to say, do I have permission? After work hours. <laughs> All right. Sounds like a plan. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for your attention. And if you made it this far, you're clearly someone who wants to take their business to the next level. And I understand that being an entrepreneur, it's a lonely place. It could be a lonely journey, which is why being part of a thriving community of like-minded people is just super important as is the ability to instantly get answers to the questions you have in order to scale and grow your business. It's why I launched the Market Domination Coaching Group and it's we are open for invitations right now to join. So to request an invitation and book a free 
diagnostic consultation, let's call it a game plan call, head on over to marketdominationcoaching.com. It's where I will jump on a call with you and show you at least three ways you could possibly grow your business. Whether we work together or not, we'll still do this. Uh, it's going to be the best business decision you'll make uh, today. Uh, so speak soon. Head on over to marketdominationcoaching.com. Book your free game plan call and I'll speak to you soon. 